Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Live from somewhere in the GTA, this is Footy Prime, the podcast. Featuring, well, who do we actually have this week? Uh, well, we have James Sharman. Uh, we have, uh, oh, Craig Forrest. Uh, thanks for showing up. Uh, Danny, Danny is MIA. Uh, oh, and Wong. Dan Wong, producer extraordinaire. Uh, and uh, we also have uh, all the patrons from the delicious Swatow restaurant. Oh, we also, oh, and look, James Sharman has a ghost beer. Oh, that's the opening. Let's get this party started. Ghost beer. I like ghost beers. You can keep drinking them and drinking them and drinking them. There's probably a funny joke in there somewhere. But I'm not sure what it is. We've just figured out backgrounds. Can you can you see that? At least I have and JC have. Craig and Wonga, not surprisingly, haven't figured out backgrounds just yet. Nothing. What's that? I need, I need an update, maybe. Oh, yeah? From your Sinclair Spectrum? doesn't give me the uh, the option to put a background. Oh, that's too bad. Otherwise, I have Diego Maradona behind me. Yes, yes. Um, I missed all the frivolity here. A sad day for world football. Not a day that we can say is unexpected. Uh, Diego Maradona, dead at the age of 60. Um where do you begin with, with this man's life? You know, I, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I love Diego Maradona and I revered him. You know, like like millions of people of my generation from England, we didn't like Diego Maradona because he, he broke our hearts. He crushed us in 1986 um, and then scored the best goal maybe I've ever seen. But still, the hand of God goal stands out, of course. But such a polarizing figure. So I think we need to kind of break it into two conversations, Diego Maradona, the footballer, and Diego Maradona, the man off the field, the man, you know, amidst all those scandals. Not a great guy, by all accounts, but on the field, Craig, I mean, who cares if he's the best ever? He might have been. It's a stupid argument to have. It's all subjective and get down to that level of footballer. But he did things in the football pitch that I've never seen done before um, and did it with such a passion and such a vigor that I think even those who are as harsh as critics have to respect Maradona, the footballer. Yeah, uh, for sure. Um, but, you know, in the game that he played, it was a much different game that they play now. 
Uh, you, when you look at the, the, the mounted, I mean, you were able to kick people then, and that was what they did. They tried to take him down. They tried to do it with Pelé too. They, you know, so the physical side of things was was something else. And then when you look at what he did, he, when he went to Napoli, and you know, Napoli nearly relegated a few years before, and then I think three years after he was there, they won the title and really transformed that area and the city and the club. And he carried them. Uh, and that was when the time Milan were on fire and, and a powerhouse. So um, he's carried teams before, which is very rare and uh, for anybody to do. And the ability and then obviously the memorable moments in 86, I think those were four minutes, five minutes apart from each other. You know, the greatest goal that's ever scored and maybe the the most uh, controversial goal that was ever scored at the hand of God. So uh, amazing. Um, I was thinking about it today as well as just, you know, the times I played at Azteca and that stadium and the sound that would have been like when the, the goals went in. Um, it had a different feel to it, that stadium. Just amazing atmosphere with over 100,000 people in it. And, um, you know, perfect setting, perfect theater for for Diego Maradona, who was was all about the theater on and off the field. Yeah. And, and that World Cup, I, mean, I don't think there's any one player dominated tournament more than he dominated 86. That was the first World Cup that I remember watching. 82, I was just a bit too young. And I remember watching that. And for me, it's my favorite World Cup. It may not have been the greatest World Cup, but I was naive. I loved my, my heroes and those white shirts, those three lines. And they were a really very good team in 86. And to watch that match, I remember it vividly. You know, my memory is terrible, but I remember that match so, so well. And, and that the hand of God goal going in and just like screaming like, what? Where's VAR? Where's VAR? I didn't say that. But uh, <laughs> I really wish they did because different story entirely. But then, you know, like you said, four minutes later, he beats five five English players on the way to that, that iconic goal. And uh, it was just something in- incredibly special. He had to tip it out. I heard Gary Lineker today. He was, if you see it on, on Twitter right now, it's a fantastic analysis of, of what Maradona was again with a player that played against him and played with him actually, as he mentioned. But he goes, I wanted to applaud him on that goal. This is Gary Lineker, the great English striker who scored, I think, six goals that World Cup, I believe. He got the golden boot. Uh, Maradona got five goals. I want to applaud him, he said. It's just something, you know, out of this world. Um, and then post-match to say, well, that was the hand of God. I mean, what a great, what a great way to rub it in. On a man that you know was on his shoulders for that World Cup, remember was the Falkland Islands of four years before. That country told him, "Win, win us back some respect, get us back, you know, some pride from what we lost four years ago." Now this is on an athlete. That's a lot of weight on a player's shoulders, and he did just that on the sporting stratosphere. I mean, my God, this guy excelled in, in that kind of theatre, didn't he? He really did, and that's right. I mean, I was uh, already in England for a couple of years at that time, and remember that happening I and mean, oh my goodness it was it was unbelievable how angry and you know people were and then when he said hand of god in the press conference that just took it to another level of hate for diego maradona i mean really that and honestly at that time it was absolute hate for him i mean it was amazing they felt absolutely wrong and it could have been different of course interesting that gary lineker brought up the point about how poor the pitch was yeah yeah, you, you don't think about that, right? You think about, obviously, the physicality, but the pitch back in those days, Craig, it's not like you'd see it today. Well, I think they, they'd re, re done the surface for the final. And sometimes you do see that happen now. You see that in the Gold Cup when they lay down on top, on top of artificial, right? 
mm-hmm. or you're playing on it for a couple games and it's shifting around. And generally speaking, as Seca, when I played there, it was always a super surface. It was never, never overplayed on and, and it was a great surface, but they relayed it for that fa- uh, for that game. Cause I think the weather wasn't great. They had overplayed on it a couple of rounds before, but uh, I never realized that, that it was actually done for them and how they talked about how where the surface was. And you think about how that goal was scored and under those conditions as well. I mean, just ask. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's not because often, you know, the old question is, argument is, could a Maradona succeed in today's game, right? And I think the answer is yes, of course he could. But I think the better question is, could the staff today succeed in those conditions with those pitches and that physicality? We don't know that. We know that his skill could succeed in today's game, but I don't know. I don't know whether Ronaldo or Messi could have braved the, the all-out assault that they'd endure in, in those games. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. I, I honestly think that the answer to those questions would be for the likes of Messi and Ronaldo uh, would be yes. I think they could handle it. Just, I think they're just tough individuals generally. I don't think that that'd be much different, but it would be a question of whether they could play uh, as long as they have. Uh, getting kicked around because you're one challenge away from getting, you're losing your career. So uh, maybe the longevity might've been different. Although Maradona fought through a lot, but I mean, he, he had a lot of, a lot of his own issues as well, but yeah. Um, Peter Reed was on the field that game and I heard that he was doing an interview today because everybody wants to do interviews with the England players, especially. Right. And he says, I still wake up in sweats <laughs> because everybody asked, why didn't somebody bring him down? Yeah, and he said, I "If I was close by, he said I would have absolutely tried." But he, there was a whole bunch of them dug in. That's a good point, isn't it? Because we talk about how you know the game back in those days was so physical. But that second goal, I mean, five English players they could have taken him down if they wanted to. Yeah, but they chose not to, or they just couldn't catch him. Probably well, the latter. Yeah, there was a bit, and then I think somebody—I can't remember—one of the players I believe was on a yellow too. I'm not sure. I can't remember who it was, and they were. They're a part of that group. Um, wasn't I think it was Butcher, but yeah, I mean, when you look at Butcher, even in the box, he comes across him. To this day, I, I still think he scored the own goal. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that for a long time because the way the, the the release is so quick from Maradona that it looks like Butcher's lunging in and gets a toe on the ball, right? Obviously, he doesn't. But for a longest time, I thought, I wonder, did he get a piece of that? You know, that was was a thing about Maradona. When you see that hand of God goal and you watch it, it's amazing how at first sight, at first glance, it's hard to tell whether he might've got a nick on it. It takes it like, it's amazing. I mean, when you slow it down, you see it. It is in the picture. Oh, he threw his legs back and the whole deal. Like he sold it unbelievably well. I don't, I don't think a lot of the England players, a lot of them were, there was, uh, the ones that were close by would have been able to tell. Shilton absolutely knew it was a handball. Yeah. But most of the rest of them were just joining in going, yeah, yeah, handball. But, well, Shilton got out-jumped by a guy who's five foot five. Well, that was it too. He, I remember him getting blamed when he got out It's like, if, he's timing it because the guy's five foot five. He's not going to, he's winning the ball. He didn't. Taking the goalkeeper's side as usual, Craig. I know, he took a lot of flag for that. Oh, Shilton, Shilton. <laughs> Should have cleaned him out, Greg. Should have cleaned him out. <laughs> this is like... It's amazing, the anger. That goal, still, I still hold on to anger from that goal in 86. I was 12 years old, and I still watch it, and I still get like, fuck. Yeah. 
could have been so different. It could have been so different. This is like JFK shooting. You know, it would never happen. <laughs> it wouldn't happen nowadays. There'd be how many cameras are at the stadium, right? They would have they would have seen him do this little nudge thing with the ball, and then the you know the English guy going he kicked the, he hit the ball you know doing this and that doesn't happen anymore and that can't happen it only happens in '86 with SD cameras and only twelve in the whole entire stadium. There was no replay, so it didn't. It was it was whatever the decision was on the field. I mean, replay is very new. So yes, modern day that would have been. I mean, he probably wouldn't even run off because he would have known it would have been disallowed. It would have, I mean, when you look at him run off anyway, he's looking over at the referee. <laughs> Do you think if, if there was VAR around for the JFK assassination, how different would it have been? <laughs> Is um, it a valid point? Would have gone to the monitors? Lee, Lee Harvey. Maybe the penalty uh, would have been a little different, but the same result for uh, JFK, unfortunately. <laughs> Same result, I suppose, but different records. <laughs> <laughs> Down. Yeah, Lee, Lee Harvey Down. would have just uh, kept on walking. It would be fine. Yeah. CIA. Suspension. Five games. Bringing the game into disrepute. Anyway, um, back to Maradona here for, for a second. But then, of course, you know, you can't really talk about Maradona without the Italian stint as well and what he did there, right, at Napoli. And if you see, I've seen images from Naples today. And these huge shrines being put up. I know Napoli is now discussing and will probably rename their stadium after Maradona. This guy took this, this smallest club from the south and won two Scuderos, uh, a UEFA Cup, a couple of Italian Cups. They never won anything before. It was the northern teams. The Milan and the Juventus is dominating Italian football. He comes aboard and not just wins with them, but becomes the playboy and you know parties with the mafia. And does God knows what else to himself, you know, damages himself badly, but still plays at such an elite high level and changes the way Italian football is seen across the world. Amazing, isn't it? Like uh, the, the, the the amount of places that he's been and actually touched. And yeah, not only that, because like that, that whole Southern region is a lot poorer than the Northern region. And, you know, the North East South is a much different thing in Italy and the way he did that. And with Napoli, yeah, I mean, they, it's, is talk about all the time. I mean, when you, even when you think about Napoli, you just always think about Maradona and those those times there. And boy, did he ever take a... Remember, the, did you see there was something else floating around on the internet today too on Twitter about uh, there was a... You, I think he just arrived there and there was a charity match and the club wouldn't let him play because the insurers wouldn't insure him. Well, he shows up anyway because it was for kids. And they show him, beat these, he beat a whole bunch of people on this playing field. hard. This muddy field, and, he, and it was almost like the goal he scored against England, but on this muddy surface, kind of the other way, coming in from the left. It was, you know, he's just, one of those one of those players that okay, maybe he didn't play on the field with a smile like a Ronaldinho, for example, but he played because he loved the game, though, and had pure passion for it. Whether it's a charity match for kids in some local park, or playing at a World Cup final at the Azteca, mm-hmm. you know, he just loved the game so much, didn't he? And you know, we shouldn't forget that. I think it's easy, like I said, it's easy to to judge Maradona, and rightly so, but from a pure footballing standpoint, this kid came from the streets of Buenos Aires. They had nothing. He had to succeed, and he just played with that. Nothing to lose. I have to succeed. I will not lose. And he would do anything to win, and it proved to be uh, the making of you know one of the most iconic sporting figures in, in the world. 
I was talking with uh, Holger Osiak, our former national team coach with Canada, about you know Gold Cup 2000, as well as interesting to talk about uh, Diego Maradona because obviously Holger was the assistant coach to West Germany in the 1990 World Cup final when they they beat Argentina, um, and he said. You know, the difference was, though, even for like four years before, he wasn't the same player. He, he wasn't as dangerous. So, you know, when you're talking about defensive structures with that great German team and whatever, when they talk about him um, and, and how to defend against them, I think the general feeling was kind of the way Willinicker said that, you know, one on, when, you're, when you're one-on-one with them or you try to man-mark him, if he beats you, then he might leave big holes and, Interesting theory, but he said, yeah, he wasn't quite the same player uh, at that time. And then Canada, we came uh, penalty shootout away against Australia and Sydney uh, from playing uh, Argentina and Diego Maradona for qualifying to qualify for the 94 World Cup. So that would have been... You you dodged that one, didn't you? (laughs) Yeah, it was kind of one of those. Well, yeah, we knew when we lost to Mexico that it was going to be a half, uh, a tough half spot or whatever. Um, but beating Australia, then you had Argentina and Maradona, and we obviously knew who uh, FIFA would love to have had at the World Cup. So, but Australia, yeah. them, they only lost two to one on a def- really funny deflection goal in Buenos Aires, and lost two one on aggregate. They did really well, Australia. There was a story I read today uh, from the nineteen ninety World Cup, and the first match Argentina played Cameroon, and in the in the tunnel before the match, the Cameroon players were in tears, crying because they couldn't believe. They were standing beside Diego Maradona. They had just worshipped this guy for so many years. First time at a World Cup, um, or close to it anyway. But basically, you know, these are not well-paid professionals back in those days in Cameroon. These guys are their idols. And just picture that. I mean, how how would you think the Canadian national team would have felt about themselves lying beside Diego Maradona at that point? Um, that's a good question. I mean, no, I mean. A lot of the, there's a few of the players, but they're still around, or certainly players that we had talked to before that had played against Platini, for instance, at the World Cup in 1986. You know, and there's obviously, um, well, the last 10 minutes of that game, I think David Norman followed Platini around just to make sure he got a shirt. <laughs> that was the reason. Yeah, forget the result. I just wanted no. a shirt. <laughs> so it's framed right now, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> I should have bring that up. See if David Norman's got a shirt still. He might. Jeez. Well, yeah. What's the money now, isn't it? Yeah. Jesus. Latini, rather. Yeah. Legend. Uh-huh. Legend. Do, do you think um, Maradona's like his off-field scandals have kind of taken away from the iconic figure that he is, or do they almost add to it? A bit like George Best. George Best, there's some real parallels there, right, between Maradona and George Best. I actually read just now, I'm not sure if I've got to confirm it, that he died in the same day, George Best did, as Maradona, which is something. So I've got to confirm that. But regardless, real parallels. Sorry? I think, was it, was it 15 years apart to the day? Maybe 15 years, yeah, but the, yeah, yeah. But the same day. To the day. The 20, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll check it out. Yeah. But still, but real parallels between those two, you know, those two flawed geniuses, right? Guys who could have, who did a lot on the field, don't get me wrong, but maybe could have done more. If they took care of themselves and didn't have those those inner demons, so do you think they are somewhat tainted? Do you think Maradona's image is tainted because of that, or does the legend grow because of it? Yeah, probably. We live in that sort of world, but yeah, 
Uh, he had a lot of lot of issues uh, himself, didn't he? I mean, he off the field quite controversial politically, I believe, in Argentina. But the bottom line is, I mean, he is in Argentina. He is a god. Is not tarnished at all. Like he is iconic. Like it's incredible. You know, they're in the streets in Argentina right now as we speak. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, obviously, people that know him well followed his career, and then afterwards, and saw. You know, I mean. He's had health issues and addiction issues and various other problems. Like, and I don't think he was ever really at peace with himself, right? And, and you know, he's it's, it's one of those, like, geniuses that are a little bit mad, I guess. You know, when you think about his lifestyle and where he, what he achieved and all the, the pressures that, you know, being from Argentina would bring as well, a country that puts a lot of pressure on their, their stars. And, and that's not, not even when they're just playing. That's uh, after as well. A lot, to, a lot to deal with for somebody who's not maybe capable of dealing with all that. Our very own flawed genius, we should mention, Danny Picchio, uh, not on the show today. Uh, clearly too emotional to appear and talk about the great Diego Maradona and what he means to him. That's not quite true. <laughs> but he is our flawed genius, right? <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I was actually thinking we were, we were going to make a distinction or comparison with Dickio and his DJ days about how much time he spent in the clubs. Mm. What could he have been if not for those distractions? Still, Diego lived a full life, that is for sure. And uh, we're gonna, you know, he won't be forgotten, that's for sure. You know, and uh, with his statements being named after him, there'll be movies made, you know that. Um, it's one of the most fascinating, compelling lives I think we, we've seen in, in the football world. And for me, he's up there along with, you know, the, the, the true iconic figures in world sport, right? The, the Arlies, the Pele's, obviously, the Jordans. I think you have to put him beside there. Whether you hate him or love him, you can't deny what he accomplished, maybe what he could have accomplished, but just what he meant. Trans- he, he did transcend the sport, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, I agree. There's very few people like him that have done that. The likes of Pele have certainly. Messi, we saw... Uh, Cena doing now, Marinaldo, but very few. And you think about the millions and millions of people that actually play <clears throat> the sport growing up. So we've all had a go at it. You know, there's just absolutely hundreds of millions. And, you know, it's just very, very rare to have somebody of that talent come along more often. Actually, JC and, and Wong, I mean, growing up in Canada, you know, not necessarily in the football world, like, did you know? Of Maradona is not exactly who he was. Was the name familiar to you growing up? Well, I was. Me, tra- it was all about '86, and because Canada was in the '86 World Cup, I followed it. And Craig knows I'm a big homer. I cheer for anything. I'll cheer for who who can take the biggest dump if they have a Canadian flag on their back. <laughs> um, so, in that in that way, yes, I knew Maradona. I knew Argentina. And I also knew about the Falklands. And I was just getting some of my worldview at the time. So I remember how crazy that game was. And even more than that, how special it was for Argentina. So to your point, Charms, getting some of your, you know, your national pride back from what had been the fabric kind of taken away from you. Because... I have no idea what the Falkland Wars were about. I think it was cheap, right? And uh, <laughs> UK went down there and made sure they knew it was cheap. And they, I want that cheap and maybe a goat. But 
Like that's pretty crazy stuff, and I, I don't know what what JC. What, what's the what's the crown? What's the crown season for? They'll they'll get into it a little bit there and educate you as far as uh, it was all the scrap metal. Basically, oh, that's okay. what happens. They started, yeah, yeah. Um, if you're not watching this, um, and you're listening to it, JC has just found the best background for our little Zoom chat here, and it is a uh, a vintage Floor Genius in Danny Dickio with the mane flowing out from behind. So right now, Danny Dickio is peering over JC's shoulder. I'm not going to go any further. <laughs> it's too easy. And the uh, the old mullet there, eh? Just the mullet swinging oh, and flowing in the wind. It's a beaut, isn't it? I, I needed a song of beauty. Yeah. You must have uh, sold it. Bitch. <laughs> you got old bitch, did you? Hello. Hey JC, so um, uh, one of those things how 86, that World Cup, Falklands, he had you know an understanding of Maradona. You're a lot younger than Wonger. Uh, That's the thing. Maradona, at what point I mean, did you understand Wong, who he was? I honestly didn't quite get it. Well, I'll say this. I didn't quite get the, like, how big Maradona was until... Probably till I met my my good friend Martin, who's from when I was about fourteen or fifteen, and we actually hated and became great friends. But but he sort of educated me about internet. And I knew about you know British football and internet, like in European football, but I didn't have football or anything other than just the Premier League that I would see periodically on you know on tsn or whatever but that's when i but um knowing like he, he was this huge thing to my buddy and his family but also it was just a well-known thing that he was a great football player but he was a garbage person and do not i mean and, and i'm no disrespect to the man himself but just i remember that family that they, they would talk about like oh he's <laughs> He's doing this and he's doing that, but like it just—it was not. Uh, um, yeah, I think you make a good point. You know, yeah. when, when people die, is the, the natural reaction is to forget about the bad stuff and sure. to celebrate the good stuff. But I think that's disingenuous. I think you got to look at it as a whole, right? And, and he was, like I said, he was flawed. He wasn't a great guy in many regards. But we we follow football. We should focus, I think, on the footballer in him. Same with George Best. Same with Ronaldinho. Same with whoever you want in, in the sporting world. You know, Michael Jordan wasn't a great guy necessarily all the time. You know, he had his issues too, right? But you celebrate the uh, the athlete, and I think these are the moments to, to do that. Um, but it's funny because I grew up with Pele being number one, and I never watched Pele. I was he was before my time, but that was the name that kind of conjured that that love of sport and that romance. And Maradona could have replaced him if not for that one game. And I find it interesting now when you see a lot of these English players talking about Maradona, and they weren't born in 86. They didn't see this. They didn't understand the vitriol towards him. They've always loved Diego Maradona. And there's pictures, you see them when you visit them in the dressing rooms, Old Trafford or Anfield, and they're like all posing and stuff, and they're, oh my God, it's Diego Maradona. I mean, it's amazing how one moment can, can define a player in the narrative of a nation, right? And I fully put my hand up. I'm probably extremely unfair with my long-term disgust at the name Diego Maradona. But now I can sit back in peace and say, okay, Diego, you lived a full life, but boy, could you pick a football? 
So, Charms, before we were talking, you had to do, while you were working at Sportsnet, you had to put a story together. You basically did his obituary eulogy for Sportsnet, packaging it before, because he had a heart attack and... I think it was the heart attack, right? Where you went, Yeah. what were the so things I, I, that stood I, out to you? I think it was the score. And the way it works in, in TV, and, and you guys know this, Craig will tell you, um, there, there's obituaries for lots of people just sitting there waiting for them to die. right? I've done one for Pele, for, for Alex Ferguson. Um, I did one for Maradona, like you mentioned there, the score. I, I'm not sure about Sportsnet, because I, I just spoke to some guys at Sportsnet, and we're talking about that, and they couldn't find it. So maybe it wasn't Sportsnet. But still, I, I've done them before, and there's such weird things to write about. You know, you're writing as if the person's dead, and they're, they're not dead. They're doing quite all right. You know, Monty Python, not quite dead yet. But it's, it's, a, it's a weird thing to write. You, you, you must do it, right? I mean, every politician's got one written for him at numerous networks across the country. It's just part of the business. But it's a very strange thing to do. Yeah, you don't want to get caught out as a network, right? You just sort of plan these things in, in advance. But I think you're right. I think I remember Maradona being in bad shape and uh, when we were working at sports, and I think Jerry might have actually done one for, yeah. for him. But I did that. That was one of the ones where I thought, yeah, you, you do this like this. Like, the guy's not even dead yet. And he's like, oh, don't worry about anybody else. You think about anybody old, they've done it for everybody. Even you, Craig. Did you do one for me when I, uh, when I had nut cancer? Not then. No, I did it like our last year working there. After your 50th birthday. <laughs> After your 50th birthday, we all thought, you know what? He hasn't got much time left. <laughs> beloved national soccer player and commentator on Canadian television will be sorely missed by a few. That kind of stuff, you know? To break. <laughs> to break and dip the break <laughs> dip the black <laughs> a little soft music a little uh, <laughs> 2000 and whatever but, no, but, you, but you, you always end it you always end it by saying when someone dies you write a piece you always end it by saying Dan Wong was 53 <laughs> Craig Forrest was 53 James Sharman was 46 Jeff Cole was 23 he always ended that way. You know, it's just such a weird thing. I remember doing that. Even before die, not necessarily obituaries, but news reports, the same thing. It's always, yeah, it's like, oh, God, it's so formulaic. It's like, oh, God. Isn't that so better sure. doing this? Going, yeah. against, going about what you were talking about, about do we remember the good and the bad, your story, did it ha- was it good and bad? Like, you must have covered everything. And what were those things that stood out, you know, while you did it, like, was it the, you know, going to Tripoli and seeing Gaddafi? Was it getting trained by Ben Johnson? <laughs> was it like, what stood out for you as I a guy? Now, but... did, the, did the obituary for national television? You know, you, you have two minutes in those stories, generally, if you're lucky, right, to, to encompass an entire life. It's so difficult, right? So you, I forget what I did now, but, you, you know, you, with Pele, I'd be like, you, you, young Pele was born on the outskirts of, you know, Rio... 1942 or whatever whatever the hell it is and uh then you touch on those the moments the biggest moments that everyone knows about perhaps and then a little bit of the cd side you know later in life maradona was a complicated figure you know that kind of stuff right <laughs> you don't want to get into too many details you know like so-and-so was busted with 10 hookers 
and a bowl full of coke. You don't, you don't want to put that in your obituary. You don't want to. It's not the best way of putting it. So, you know, there, there's ways around it to kind of paint around the, the realities, hinting towards them. But really, it should be a celebration, I think, of the person's life. If they're like an athlete, if you're doing an obit for Hitler, a little bit different, right? <laughs> you don't need to focus on the positives because there aren't many, right? But Adolf Hitler really loved to stroll through a dewy meadow and murder <laughs> millions and millions of people. Unknown to many, he was a very good chess player. Well, that, you, you should probably avoid that kind of stuff. But I don't know, we should, maybe we should write victories for each other for next week's show. <laughs> It'd be quite amusing. You got thirty seconds each of us to write and a bit about each other. Yeah, just look into space. <laughs> God, I I really accomplished nothing in my life. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Someone <laughs> <laughs> so made it to forty six. Congratulations. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway, that's David Maradona, and uh, yeah, you know what? We we should mourn the footballer. I think that's for sure. And there'll be moments. There was today minutes silence around Champions League games. It'll continue. That's for sure. Pretty special footballer, massive figure, whether you love him or hate him. Um, we should mention this pretty clear to everyone, right? It's locked down here in Toronto, so we are banned from our studio because we're good, responsible people. Okay? This is why we're doing this by, uh, what is it, Google Meet or Hangouts? What is it? Zoom. Oh, yeah, Zoom? Google, Google Zoom? Meet. Oh, is it? Oh. <laughs> <Not> Google Meet. <laughs> <laughs> for all you Google vegans, for all you vegans out there, this is M E E T. Google M E A T. No, um, but it got me thinking though, uh, and we'll get in studio as soon as we can because it's way better in studio. Let's be honest with you. Um, in fact, we actually hope to get done up on this podcast too. Last minute, Dickie walks out on us, and we try to get done up on here. And I want to show you, and I'll describe it to you. His response to me. So where is it? I uh, I just said. Uh, the last minute beast just failed. Can you jump on the pod now? He sends a picture. You see that? You can't see it in my background. <laughs> no. You can't see. All right. It's a picture of his kitchen sink with a plunger in it and a bucket underneath. I can't. Sorry, boys. He just ditched us for his sink. Is that what, what it was? Is, what does that mean? With a plunger and a bucket underneath it. So he's got some plumbing issue. And that's more important to rectify than joining us in the podcast. What a prick. Yeah. Anyway, back to what I was saying. So we're in this lockdown. We're doing this Zoom call. Um, and I got me thinking, if you had been locked down in a house with, with former opponents or former managers, former teammates, Craig, you got like four people, including yourself, right? First of all, who would you like to be locked down with? What would be a really good house for you? Yourself and three... <laughs> Teammates, opponents, managers, who would it be? Um, Paul Pescasolito. Because he, he doesn't take a lot of space. He's just a little guy. <laughs> how, how big is the room? Um, that's a good, I'd say. It's, it's, a, it's a nice, semi-detached house. Yeah. 1,300 square feet, three oh. bedrooms, four. Make it four, it's four of you. Yeah, it wouldn't be Jimmy Brennan because he's the laziest man alive. <laughs> I remember rooming with him, and he was like in the he was in the bathtub or something, and I could hear him shout. He's like, "Chris, stack, stack, come here!" Like, and I'm like laying down, I like jump up, and I think he's drowning in the bathtub. And he's like, "Go in there." He's like, "Oh, can you just uh, pass the soap?" <laughs> 
But like, you fucking lazy bastard. Like, honestly. That is lazy. That is awful. So lazy. <laughs> um, you got Pashy. He's small. Oh, Frankie Yellow. Awesome. Just a good guy. Oh, fantastic. That's, that's, that's the reason. He's funny as hell. So you keep things light? One of the funniest people uh, I've ever met. Sven okay. Haberman. He would be, he would, he, him and Sven Haberman were the two funniest people ever. Would they both be in the in the house? Or is that too much? Oh, yeah. Sven, unfortunately, he's recently gone, going through some cancer issues in BT, but what an absolute gem of a guy. Like, so, so much fun to be around. Yeah. All right. There's a lot of guys though, and the national team great. Like Colin Miller was great. Waddy was great, right? Mm-hmm. I guess you could you could you could call up teammates to both. Yeah, a lot of great teammates like DiCanio, De- 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 but I don't know if I'd be want to be stuck uh, stuck with him. You know? No, exactly. You locked down for 28 days, right? Whoa! What was 28 days? This lockdown. Right? Oh yeah. yeah. No. It's it starting at 28 days, so that's a long time with Palo de Kenya, right? So you're right. Any managers you put in there? Um, John Lyle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Crafty Cock. Yeah, all right. So, Craig, can I add to that? Oh, James, let, let me just say, now, of all the places that you've played, but all the places that you've stayed, if you had to pick like a hotel that you stayed in while you were playing, like the best spot. What is that like unbelievable place? Or how about this? What is the worst place that you stayed? And what is the best place that you stayed? Because if you have a really great place, I mean, you could kind of be locked up with anybody, but if you have a really garbage place, then you need some, you know, your good butts. So. That's right. Actually. Um, we stayed in a really amazing resort and uh, uh, just outside of Mexico City, about an hour. Coco Yoke, it was called. And uh, that was when we golfed for four days before we even trained. It was uh, pretty amazing. <laughs> and then uh, we did stay. There was a couple of bad hotels in Central America. There's one particular one we were in Kingston. I mean, Kingston, Jamaica is a, is a different place uh, than the, the resorts that people go to, especially back then. Um, and uh, I think it would be, we nicknamed it the Hanoi Hilton. It was basically all wired around this whole place, and they told us not to go walking about. So there's a lot of places like that, really. Did the CSA generally get you decent hotels, though? I mean, I really want you to say no, they're the worst hotels ever, but generally speaking, they were okay? Um, generally speaking, they were usually picked up by, you know, the gold cup, if they, you know, they're, they've set up a hotel or, you know, if you're in a tournament, they've already pre-booked or that sort of thing. Um, but if you're going to a training camp or something like that, um, no, they're, they're staying at hotels that are, are, uh, affordable. You know, <laughs> sort of Vancouver, you're staying not in Vancouver at the uh, Pan Pacific, let's put it that way. In the Motel 8 on the way out. Right? You're at the Sheraton. I think it was a Sheraton and Burnaby up by Willingdon Road in Vancouver. They're like attached to a casino and, yeah, a little rough around the edges. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> right, who would be the worst lockdown house in the footballing world for you? It could be anyone. It doesn't need to be a former teammate. Who would be the worst house? So 
I actually, you want me to go first here? I've got my house. I gave this some, some, some real thought. All right, so Ronaldo would be in that house because it's, it's constant grooming, hogging the shower, can't get in there. You know, you don't want that as your roommate at all. Gaza, because the constant pranking would be just too much, right? It'd really wearing you. It'd be like the Kanye, probably, right? After 28 days, you want to kill him. Fergie, I put in there because the, the constant yelling and screaming and shouting and trying to lead people. No one needs that. And then the, the last person, Yogi Love. I don't want to share a house with Yogi Love. Way too much picking and smelling. It's a little bit weird, you know? A little bit odd. Like, what, what's Yogi doing in his bedroom tonight, you know? Ugh. Oh, God. When he, when he when he does in public, let alone private. Exactly. I mean, oh, can you imagine? There's obviously, I mean, I guess we could talk to a psychologist about that or a psychiatrist about that. <laughs> like, what is that? There's obviously... Yeah, that's a good house not to be in. Yeah, you, you wouldn't be in that house at all. No. No. Like, Donald Trump would be definitely, like, that would be a guy you wouldn't want to be with. No. No. You, all the guys that for starters. Yeah. North Korea's uh, top boy to get his name now. Yeah. Basically Trump's cronies. Yeah, you don't want to be in there. <laughs> All these angry people. Yeah. Well, about you? Well, I mean, outside of the soccer world, even I, inside, there well, must, be, must be a group that you would hate to be in a house with. No, no. Inside, anyone who's gained weight after being um, a professional athlete. So anyone who got fat. So I can just be the skinny guy. Just go on. Look at you. Yeah. Just for me. Just so I can feel good about myself. Ugly fat guys is what you want in there. Ugly, well, not they don't have to be ugly. They just have to be, you know, when people go back to like their 20th an, uh, reunion, 20th anniversary <laughs> reunion, and it, it, it's like the exact same faces, but bulbous and, you know, an extra 50 pounds. That's who I want to hang out with. Because I think I'm so going to those- right? So... When you go to those reunions, like, do you comment to those people like, oh, God, what happened to you? Or do you just kind of smirk off to the side of the dance floor? Charms, after I sleep with them, absolutely. You're <laughs> 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 no, a good guy. To the women. <laughs> well, you, have to, you, you just have to roll. And, and the people I hate to live with are locked down. Fit people, I was going to say Beckham. Beckham is no one. And to your point, Ronaldo, I don't want to be seen around these guys. Then I look no, like the guy who ate, who ate too many donuts. But those, those bachelor shows, right? Like, be awful. I mean, God, oh, God, I've got to show up again. Jesus, it's pool time again. Oh, no one needs to see this. Yeah. I wouldn't want to be the ugly guy on The Bachelorette. Well, that's a little bit different. Maybe then. Can you imagine those the look in those poor girls' faces when when you show up? Yeah, get, oh, <laughs> hi, I'm the bachelor. <laughs> Can you imagine? Let me like, oh God, is it too late to, to please don't give me a rose? Please, dear God. Yeah. I'd be like I'd be like, I'd be like getting my big limbs out of the car. <laughs> hit my head on the roof, getting out. Yeah, they're like, oh, Stephen Wilson's here. No, it's Craig Forrest. Actually, back in the day, the, I forget what newspaper in England it was, they actually had the all-ugly 11 football team. That's so awful, isn't it? And John That's Wark, amazing. John Wark was on. was back at Ipswich in those days, and he was in it. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
I remember we're, we're on the bus going to the game. We're going to the game, and we're like, the guys are like going through the newspaper, and all of a sudden, like this center page, all England ugly eleven. And there's John Wark on it, and it was like, oh my god, it was quite funny because Warky was just like, it was just like he he was rallying off guys that he thought were uglier. <laughs> So were you supporting him at that point? Or were you saying no to you? you. I, was, I was like, you're at the most on the subs bench. That's <laughs> so cool, isn't it? There was some, uh, uh, there was some, uh, I can't remember all the guys, there were some gruesome guys. In the, remember a big uh, Grizzlevich to play for Coventry? <laughs> yeah, Steve Grizzlevich, the big nose, right? The, no, the token. Super guy. Like he was a, just an absolute yeah. But yeah, he was, uh, he, yeah, not the best. <laughs> It's amazing all the patience over there. How how did you get away with that? You couldn't do it nowadays. You just couldn't do it. I don't know. The tabloids over there, they're they're I don't know. With mental health being the issue that it is nowadays, I don't think you get away with it. It's cruel as hell. Mm-hmm. It is I mean it would it would weigh on people, right? Some guy is probably self conscious, right? And he's that ugly. <laughs> Take it from me. Um, you know, he's probably self conscious. Yeah. About, you know, his imperfections and uh to see it, you know, plastered across the back pages of the mirror. Oh, great! I made I made some story. What's this? You know, all eleven ugly theme. I mean, my God, that's, I could crush someone. Yeah, remember, remember Jason Dizel, uh, Ipswich Town, uh, and then uh, Big uh, Duncan for uh, Everton. Right. Um, Was Big Duncan there? Duncan. He wasn't there was he? Ferguson. Yeah, yeah, Big Duncan. He wasn't in that. That's all ugly eleven, was he? No, no, no. This is a different story, but it's some similar type of like cruel. They had what? There's this one girl socialite that has slept with both of them. So she did a rundown of the whole evening, from you know the for dinner to going home to yeah. foreplay to the actual sex, like the whole thing. Wow! And there was like there was ten categories, and and for uh, <laughs> Duncan Ferguson got. 97 out of 100. Dizelle got like four out of 100. So, so Jason, you know, is like, yeah, like, he's like, you know, it's one thing, you know, and the thing is, she had it in for him because she actually got pregnant with his kid and the whole deal, I think, and it was, it was a big shit show, but. I think there's there other things, reasons why he got voted so low. It wasn't an honest vote. <laughs> JC, who, who's peering over your shoulder now? That's uh, Razor's lady. Oh, Razor Ruddock's lady. lady. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's, Sorry, that's just, you, isn't it? Yeah, just all this talk about classy that's ladies just made me, JC. I thought I'd pop that up there. So that, that, that's, that's JC's claim to fame. He's got a picture with Razor Ruddock's wife. <laughs> Many years ago, I didn't realize you were even in the photo. Well, yeah. <laughs> Although, to to be fair, I, I was a lot less than I am now, and a lot paler than I am now. Less beard. I don't think that's the reason why I didn't notice, but and that's probably what it is. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's three things you're, that you're I noticed in that picture. Razor Ruddick is an absolute beauty. Now, there's a there's a very good roommate or bad roommate in a lockdown. Oh, he'd be fun. Well, I actually think he was in Big Brother, one of those things. I, don't know, I think he, I think he would be. Yeah, no, he would be fine. He'd be good. It'd be good fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He might be. It'd be good fun. 
Yeah. Yeah. Hey, can we go back to uh can we go back to the the bachelorette? I was just thinking what a great prank that would be if the five of us showed up, footy prime, this woman's ready for and we all want each of us come out, Craig with a strut, me <laughs> drunk and got weed hanging off my back of my ear, Jeff <laughs> doing with his microphone, you with a pie, Danny with his <laughs> <laughs> the lamb. Like they, it would be the best prank of all time. It'd be pretty good. Yes, we'd be the laughing stock of millions. <laughs> <laughs> As opposed to thousands, you know what, you know what it's time now. for. Also, hey JC, you know what it's time for, and you yes. haven't been around because you've been uh, opening up your intros, sending your intros in. It's time for Footy Prime picks. James. It's time for Footy Prime picks. All right, here we go. All right, so we got a, a couple of games here, but then we'll kind of let, let's kind of blend in a bit of MLS in the back end with TFC this past week, and just in general about MLS. But let's start though with a couple of picks here, Craig. Okay, we're going to stay in Spain today, all right? Um, actually, Maradona played in Spain for a little while. I think was it Sevilla? He played in for a very short stint. I think it was Sevilla. Check it out. Um, anyway, okay, so this weekend, Real Sociedad against Villarreal. Craig, give us uh, a little dirt on these two and who you're going to think you got. Real Sociedad, it's interesting that league at the moment is kind of upside down. Real Madrid are having their issues. Barcelona, I think, are in 13th place at this moment in time. So they've got to show up. But they have a couple of games in hand, so they probably get back up in the top four. But uh, at the moment, you got Real Sociedad in first place against Villarreal in third place. Um, both of them doing really, really well, surprising a few as well. Solid team, though. When you look at La Liga, you know, arguably, I would say, well, certainly if I was Nick Dasovic, you would say it was the best technical league in the world, and I would uh, go far to say I would agree with that. So, But it's nice to see some new faces at the top, but I would think Real Sociedad playing at home would be stronger on the day than Villarreal. David Silva, bossing it this season, eh? So much of being too old. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly it. A smaller game against a couple of mid-table teams really this season uh, coming up this weekend. It's Real Madrid, Barcelona, El Clasico, El Drerico. No, I don't think they're playing each other this weekend. Okay. Wonger, you told me they're playing each other. You're, you're muted. <laughs> no, they're not they're playing. Muted. I meant that. They're not playing. They're playing two teams in the lower, lower part of the division. Oh, for Christ's sakes. Well, you told me they're playing each other. Oh, my God. I, then I, read uh, I think I just sent a note to them that they were, uh, they were actually Madrid's in fourth place and Barcelona's in 13th. Not that they were actually <laughs> You know, we're, we're really fortunate that no other shows in the world do pick segments because, man, we'd be a laughing stock. Yeah, especially yeah, we do, for sure. Hawaii. <laughs> What's that? from Hawaii. I mean, look at your background. You know, like I, didn't realize I know. I have never looked so good in the beach in my life. Yeah. Um, okay, so are we skipping over those two teams then? <laughs> or do you want to talk about who they're playing great? No. <laughs> no, you don't? Okay. No, because they're not the, we're just going to go for the picks. I don't think they're going to have any issues this week. I think both Real Madrid and Barcelona win, but I thought the pick of the week was Real Sociedad against Villarreal, the two teams in the top three. Doesn't that make sense? All right. Yes, that does make sense. Thank you. Listen, I, I can't talk, man. I didn't even know Real Madrid went playing Barcelona in the El Clasico for Christ's sakes. Um, as I mentioned, the MLS Cup is, is uh, firing towards its final 
Um, TFC crashed out this week um, to Nashville. Heartbreaking in many ways. Or is it, Craig? I mean, this, this has been some journey to TFC. One of the best regular season points average ever. Um, but man, it's been a grind for them. You know, they're playing outside of Toronto due to COVID, the big break in between, of course. Do you think they're actually not that that dejected about crashing out at this point, starting a fresh next year, and hopefully things are back to normal? Well, I don't think that any player wouldn't feel really dis- you know, d- disappointed. Um, no matter what's going to happen in the future, you always got you've got to take your opportunities because let's face it, you don't have that many chances. Uh, many of those players have been successful on that team before, of course, but you never want to you know be in that position. So uh, that's disappointing. But you're right; it's been a real grind for them. That under the circumstances they've been put in, and for how long they've been away. Um, they've done incredibly well. And when you come down to one football match, they certainly didn't play very well. And the goal was certainly coming. I thought they were fortunate because they had their chances, Toronto FC, but certainly uh, Nashville had uh, some really close ones and they got, they scored the one that was offside, but it was rightly offside, but it just seemed like it was coming and uh, they didn't play the very best game. That's for sure. But, um, you know, over the years and you look at the, the, the whole sample size of what Vanny has done at the club, um, and what they've done over the last, uh, you know, several years, um, you can only say that it's been a success. But, of course, you're going to have disappointments, and that certainly was one in their last game. Absolutely. Let me put this out there, right? It's going to be a controversial take. I'm not saying I, I agree with this, but it's interesting because these playoffs have been incredible so far. Such amazing drama in theatre, some insane penalty shootouts, uh, late goals. It's really had it all, right, as far as knockout football is concerned. It's been just brilliant. Is this better than a single table? You know, we always argue, oh, the single table is better. You know, it's what we're used to. It's tradition. It's what we do in footballing nations. But then you see what happened this past week or so in MLS. You think, man, that provides a lot. And and, and it's, it's, why, why is Wonga laughing? And why is JC laughing? No. Do you know, Craig? No, I don't know. You... No, I have no idea. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Making me laugh just thinking about it. <laughs> they can't keep themselves. <laughs> anyway, anyway yeah. I'll talk to you then. Sorry. Yeah, we so sorry. Let, let, let the children do as they will. So yeah, so is it a crazy take or is there something to this? Well, the, I think the problem with the European structure, um, if you wanted to change it, is difficult because you don't have enough weeks in the year to fit in what you have now. So if you're going to add those extra uh, games, you would have to maybe, you know, have a, a smaller regular season. But if you wanted to do that, I just, I just don't know. I, I just don't see it changing um, at all unless they went to a super league situation with the Americans and, you know, pushing that type of uh, knockout competition. But it is exciting. They do have playoffs in the divisions below to get into, um, into the different leagues. And it is incredibly exciting. And it's, it's been taken, it's taken off. I remember when it first came into play and it wasn't, uh, they weren't really, it wasn't with open arms at the first, first few years of it. They didn't really like it, especially a team that finished third that was in the playoffs. So the top two would go up directly three, four or five and six would play off. And in the end, now everybody really likes it. And it gives other teams a little bit lower in the division, you know, that sixth spot to try to fight for. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it works to a certain degree. Um, but, it is what you're used to, right? Because NBA, NHL, um, NFL, right? If you said, you know what, 
they're going to get the single table format. There'd be, no, you can't do that because the playoffs are everything in those sports. They're everything. And, you know, we kind of endure the regular season, but just because soccer and football were so entrenched in this method of, of the way they do things, we don't even want to consider, you know, going to a North American model when in fact it would provide a lot. It would provide a lot, although when you look at the North American model, it's structured to make as much money as possible. The regular season yeah. in the NHL and the NBA is 82 games. And yeah, that knocks out half of the teams. Um, but it doesn't probably, you should have maybe eight teams make it out of there, but they want to keep other teams involved and more teams making the playoffs generate more money. So you're, you know, from a sporting aspect, you don't always get what is absolutely fair. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, Wilner, JC, have you calmed down? Yes. Can you behave yourselves now? Sorry, Dan was playing with his hat. <clears throat> and his head, my, my hat got caught between the headphones and while you guys were chatting. I had it, so it was like jammed into my face with the <laughs> headphones. And, and he was really he was off. trying his he was trying his best to like keep it together, like okay, let me just <laughs> and it ended up over his face. And I'm sorry, but I'm just such a small child, and so is Dan, that, you know, it just... Can we put that and a little piece and just, just have that on YouTube and see how well it does? Yeah, yeah. we're going we're gonna find that. And Jeff and I in corners. I mean, we're, we're basically in uh, Hollywood squares right now, <clears throat> laughing our heads off. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That reminds me of Hollywood squares. I wonder where I come... I always wonder what this thing looked like. Or is it, is it the Brady Bunch or the Partridge Family? Brady Bunch. Things like that. Yeah. Is it all the, the squares, right? Oh, that's the Brady Bunch. Yeah. Right? Or the or the Bunch, as they were called. The Bunch. The bunch? Yeah. Don't need to say Brady. It was like, hey, you watching the Bunch tonight? <laughs> that's it. That's it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's this way. So, you know so for anyone, anyone listening to the, uh, the podcast, we're... Also on Google Meet, and we're pointing at each other, upside yeah. down. And you see this in YouTube, maybe. I tell you what, um, it really does suck, doesn't it? Compared to being in studio, let's be honest here. Mm. We're doing the best we can, but you know the authorities want to crush our podcast, and that's literally and that's what, what it do. is. That's, yeah. that's all. That's all it is. Is there? They they see that this lucrative, lucrative business that we have as like doing a podcast and they're like no 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 bam it's over yeah. you can't do it in person anymore so now we're suffering Teresa Tam is you stamping know. all over our potential honestly fellas uh, this is the last time we're going to do Google Meet I'm going to set up in my girlfriend's garage we'll have the door open we'll have heaters on and it'll be like minus three with jackets but we're going to do that if this this Google Meet, the sound is average, below average. There's all kinds of lag. Sounds like what girls um, think of my downstairs. <laughs> below average. Sorry. Well, with that big mic of uh, JC's there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, I'm making up. I'm making up for something, but yeah, no, yeah, that's why you got there. They're not big family downstairs. Um, but isn't that still illegal though? Because we're not from the same household. No, it's outside. Like, you got it. All it is is a cover. The well, you allowed be open. to mix households outside? No, you can. No, I don't care. I'll do it. I'm just curious. Outside, we'll be social distanced. Well, or oh. or we just or we just do the whole show from Adamson's Barbecue. 
<laughs> yeah. Now, for, for any of you, for any of you out there who don't know, who are not from the uh, from probably North America now, well, no. So let's say from Ontario, Adamson's Barbecue is this place run by this just treasure of a guy who uh, thinks that it's okay to kill your grandparents by having people come to your restaurant and eat barbecue. In a nutshell. Uh, maybe they're eating the grandparents at the barbecue. Well, I mean, you got to eat something. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think it's a great PR move. It's a it's a right. it's a great PR yeah. move. Well, I'm not. I've never eaten there. I've never eaten there. Let's talk about small business and how COVID is affecting it and the government. I do agree with. I I don't agree with <laughs> Walmart and Costco is well, open. You know what? I was so I I I hate to say this. I was in Walmart yesterday. I despise Walmart. I try and avoid it like the plague. But I was in there driving past, pick up a few things, and it's just open for business, right? It's packed, and they're selling everything, right? Food, obviously, okay, that's essential. But they're selling toys, and there's clothes, and you can buy slippers, and you can buy tea towels. Everything's open. Meanwhile, mom pa's down the road selling just the same stuff. Nope. Nope, you've got open. It's absolute bullshit. It's been so poorly managed. And uh, I don't want to say it's ridiculous. It is. But James, I, I wonder I wonder if if let's say let's say an independent clothing store or an independent um you know, stationary shop. If if they took a couple of, you know groceries and just stuck them in the at the front, could they get away with that? It's like, hey, Probably. let's put a bag let's put a bag of crisps or chips at the front. Now we're an essential service because we have food. Maybe that's, that's a, a way good point, actually. That is a good way around it, actually. Yeah. 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 So any any small stores out there, um, if you want to put some pies in your uh, front of your store, I'll give you a really good price. <laughs> Gonna make millions in this COVID. Mm-hmm. Gonna kid out all these clothing stores with pies that they can open. <laughs> all right, we're out of time. Thank God. How long has that been, Dan? That was uh, an hour and one minute. Was it really? That looked a lot more. Well. <laughs> <laughs> we're the best marketers, aren't we? Gonna, that's our pitch to our sponsors. Well, it's kind of shitty, but here you go. Have a listen. <clears throat> all right. Well, this is Craig, JC, Wonga. Thank you very much. Donald, thank you very much for helping your friends out when they're in a bind. Really appreciate that. Dickio. Don't worry, you'll get over David Maradona's death. You got See you next week. Well. Bye. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.